Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Mansion Podcast. With Krill Dog and Andy. Hey, what's up? And welcome to The Mitchin. It's a show about Sydney food and the people who cook it, serve it, and write about it. Pretty good intro. Pretty succinct, solid intro. Um, as always, my co-host is Mitch Orr, and this is uh, where we're recording from is his kitchen, his kitchen table, The Mitchin Table. And uh, unfortunately, our regular co-host, Mike Eggett, could not be here today. Um, but we apparently have a surprise co-host coming in later. At some point, yes. Um, but uh, before we introduce everybody, Mitch, you had a really big week. Um, Acme, your restaurant turned one. Yeah, it did. And yeah. you, you it's won. Been quite an eventful week, really. Yeah, it happened you, so you, fast. Yeah, Acme turned one on Sunday, even though we weren't open. Um, one of our guests today and a couple of other guys and myself cooked a dinner at Rockpool for the 25th anniversary of the JP Josephine Pinlay Young Chef of the Year Award. Um, and I guess the biggest news really is that I threw my phone into Iceberg's pool on Sunday. So. I was, I was going to use that as a punchline, but you beat me to it. Thank you. Well done on all counts. Thanks, mate. You Thanks. did it. I did it. Um, we've got three guests so far today. One apparently is coming later. Mitch, you want to introduce them for me? Yep, sure. We got, uh, today, we've got a couple of really good food minds. And I was going to make a joke about Mikey, but he's not here, so that doesn't work. Um, but we have head chef and co-owner of LP's Quality Meats, Lukey Powell. Hello. <laughs> a little bit better than puss that was yeah, yeah. There's, Actually, there's like a timid one. a timid meter of uh hellos okay. from from our guest and at the moment puss is at number zero yeah. and uh i don't know i don't know who is it who's, who's the who's the boldest but we've uh, got two kylie. kylie 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 might have been Kylie's very yeah. bold yeah um we also have everyone's favorite vegetarian <laughs> uh blogger podcaster radio host um general legend lee tran lamb Oh, thank you so much, Mitch. You forgot to mention that you won a really big award in London. You won. Oh, like, I didn't. I didn't win it. Yeah, but your restaurant won it for um, yeah. best Australian design um, yeah, at the Barn Restaurant Awards in London. Just design happened in awards, the last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, he doesn't care because it didn't. It doesn't have food in it. No, but it's pretty good because we had a bit of input into the design and stuff and of Acme and how we wanted it to be with the the architecture firm that we use and stuff. So it was pretty cool, but. Yes. Should we mention them, Lucetti Krell? Yeah, you can mention them if you yeah. like. Who, who came up with the dynamite sticker lights? That was Rachel, I think. Yeah, Lutran, whose podcast is this? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just Settle a nerd. Down, you've got your own podcast. Jesus Christ. Uh, has a podcast called The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry. It's probably what inspired us to start this one. So um, if you haven't already subscribed to that, please go to the iTunes store and do so. And Lukey Powell is her guest 
this week on her podcast. You're gonna introduce myself. Yeah, just relax. Just over chill, there. bestie. We're gonna we're gonna wait until about half hour in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Rebella Clover. The third guest we have today is uh, maybe one of the the godfathers of fine dining in Sydney and progressive food and all that kind of stuff. He's also an asshole. Uh, Mark Best from Marquee Restaurant. Does that piss you off when people still get that wrong? Marquee? Yeah. really pisses me off. Does it piss in you fact, off that I really you spelled punch it? I you in the balls right now. <laughs> <laughs> Does it annoy you that you spelled it that way though? So it's kind of your own fault? No, Marquee has two E's at the That's end. That's actually the correct spelling. Uh, I... I, uh, I stand corrected. Sorry, Mark. I won't teach you anymore. You can just give me the shit first all day. time today, Mitch. <laughs> yeah. um, so on this show today, I guess we're going to talk about a few things that our guests have been involved with over the last couple of months. Um, but the main point of uh, conversation today is it's almost like a follow up on uh, something we began talking about last week. Um, and uh, we were talking about food writers that we like and, and different um, ways that you can write about restaurants, review restaurants. And uh, at one point, a certain Australian writer was given a compliment by our guest last week. Um, sorry, what's his name again? I forgot his John name. John Leslin from The Australian. And uh, he followed up that compliment by writing possibly the dumbest article of, of the year. Did you guys read it? No. Lukey hasn't. Lee Tran I read and it. have. Yeah, it was... Um, I like John's writing and uh, generally respect him, but that was uh, pretty uh, a new low for dumb for me. Yeah. It was a, the overall article was almost written with the same uh, kind of background that you reserve for when you write it, when you write like a scare piece about Muslims in Australia in the Telegraph. It was this almost like this, this scare article about these horrible chefs and why they're against the common man and where can the common man eat. Um, And and it was also, you know, almost a a little bit of a diatribe against the shock of the new, you know, and... uh, the fact he was, yeah, where's the common man going to eat? And uh, um, there's nowhere comfortable anymore. Everything <laughs> is just, you know, it's like putting on your hair shirt to go out to eat, you know, and he paraphrased one of his other, you know, idiot um, commentators. But, uh, you know, for me, Melbourne's like, a, you know, to culinary terms, it's like a fucking dressing gown with comfy slippers and a pipe and a rocking chair. It's that comfortable, you know, so... And I said to him, you know, on social media, I said I thought he was drawing a long bow for that article, to fill those column inches, and that um, yeah. that the restaurants he talked about, you know, Lumi, etc., you know, were but a mere fraction of the of the market, you know. Yeah. What really got me is he mm. he really dug into people that have two sittings in their restaurants, and have a six thirty sitting and an eight thirty sitting, and he basically called it that doing that is being unhospitable and goes against the whole ethos of the industry where what if you know in melbourne rents a lot cheaper and stuff so maybe you don't have to do that but in sydney no, that's not true well, yeah maybe it's no. not but in sydney rents astronomical wage costs are astronomical so at the end of the day a restaurant is a business and a business needs to make money to survive and to do that you need to have two sittings to pay your staff, to pay your rent, to pay your food costs, to pay everything. And there's nothing unhospitable. It depends on your price point. It does, well, you know. When my food cost, my, I, the most expensive thing on Acme's menu is $24. I know. So I need to have two sittings full of people to pay my bills. If I'm going to charge $50 for a main, maybe everyone can come at 7.30. But who wants to pay $50 for a main these days as well? Um, Aria customers. That's the new entree. <laughs> okay. 
That so he divided Aria customers. He divided around. a bunch of uh, a bunch of restaurants into a niche category, which he said was bad, and a nice character category, which he said was good. And all of the Sydney ones, most of the Sydney ones, were all the three hat restaurants were in the nice. So you had Bridge Room, and you had ones like that. And the niche ones were like you know, I mean, I remember the, the one that stood out as like, why the fuck did you put that in there? It was Moon Park. Mm. Moon Park is like that's like the restaurant that my parents like will always ask for us to go. Like, you know, I hadn't taken my parents to any of the places on the nice the nice list. I sound like fucking Santa Claus. Um, but uh, all the ones on the niche are like, I don't know, I, I didn't find them too weird. I didn't find them, you know, it's just like vaguely yeah, no. modern restaurants that I like going to. Yeah. And to be honest, was- it, reeked, it reeked of an article that it was written in the business class lounge as he was going off on yet another <laughs> junket to Koh Samui or whatever he was and sending back Instagram pictures of, you know, the... The, the edgeless pool, you know, looking off into the distant sunset, you know, and, and that's really what it wrecked of. It's just really lazy journalism. Really and, lazy, irresponsible and journalism. He, he, he didn't even think about it. He no. had put no thought into it whatsoever. No. And it has repercussions. Yeah. You know. The fact that it got published is, like, really pretty shit from the paper. Like, you know, these guys are supposed to, in a way, support the industry and promote the industry. And that's what they should be doing. They should be attracting. Well, he'll come straight out. back with that as I'm not part of your industry. Yeah, so that's his current yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Ago, where he said that. I'm not part. Of, and to be honest, to be fair, he's not. He's not part of our industry, and he's not part of our. But he PR. Makes a he's not part off, of our. He makes a living off our industry. All right, he has a certain responsibility <laughs> to, jur- to journalism and the truth. He doesn't have a responsibility to your business. Can I? Oh, sorry. Can I just get say? in there, mate? Get in. There. <laughs> So can I say in that weird arbitrary line that he pulled between like what's a nice and niche restaurant and his thing was, okay, first of all, I cannot take anything seriously where the headlines, hipster dining. Like as soon as you use the word hipster, it's just you're not even like... It's a catchphrase. Exactly. You're already like insulting people. And with niche and nice, he was saying like, where can you take your parents? And... My boyfriend's parents, we've taken them all to the niche places. Like, they want to go to Esther. They want to go to Lumi. Like, they, they're from Queensland. And we were, one week, we were going to go to Lumi. And two days later, they were in town. And they wanted to go to the Lumi. And we're like, oh, Lumi is a set menu. I don't know if I want to go. Special guest has arrived. <laughs> Keep going, though. I don't know if I want to, like, go to Lumi again in two days' time. Can we go somewhere else? They're like, no, we have to go to Lumi. And it was because of the John Lethleen review of Lumi that they wanted to go. So to assume that people who are slightly older have no interest in pushing the boundaries of what's culinarily acceptable is kind of really closed-minded, I think. And considering that the food at those restaurants is really fucking tasty, like, why wouldn't you want to go there? You know, and it's casual and it's fun and it was just a stupid article. I got really mad when I read it and then I, I'm now at the point where I'm almost like, I don't even want to draw attention to it anymore because oh, it was too late, like, fucking done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You told every single person at this table about <laughs> the article and, and now we're like, talking about that. it. I don't want to talk about it, but it's too late. But how weird is Esther being a niche... <laughs> oh, not you again. Uh, how, how weird is Esther being supposedly a niche restaurant? Like, it's yeah. so... You get it. Like, there's nothing bizarre about it. It's like... The best one that everyone likes. A quick interruption. Uh, the special guest that Mitch was talking about was uh, recently voted worst guest on the podcast <laughs> so far <laughs> from Rockpool. Uh, we have Phil Wood. Round of applause, everybody. Phil Wood. <laughs> Welcome, bro. He's not going to say anything. <laughs> We're ruining this podcast. <laughs> you, have to, you have to pretend to be Mikey today. Oh. So um, you have to be intelligent and coherent and... Um, a bitch. 
Yeah, I just woke up, just to be honest. I was uh, <laughs> sitting look, on my couch. You cou- look really fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting on my couch drinking tea in my pajamas <laughs> when um, when someone asked me to come. And so someone, someone really going to really try and get that mental image out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mitch shone, Mitch shone the fill the fill single and signal in the in the sky. Yeah, and I just ran here. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, we're talking about the um, the article in the Australian. Um, over the weekend about um, why everything uh. that young people are doing in food is terrible. Not even young people, just interesting people is terrible. Uh, yeah, did I found that it? really... Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I found it really interesting. I bought it just to read that and I just like the uh, statistics on bookings at the end was probably the most interesting part of it. I was going to bring like that up who, too. Who I didn't get that far into the article. Where. So uh, that was good. he kind of brought up that um, <clears throat> the majority of people don't book in advance these days and people book within... 24 hours at most when they want to go out to dinner and how can one expect to do that well, if they want to go to Momofuku and deal with their ridiculous yeah, booking system but who wants to who wants to go and do a deg like who decides like oh let's go do a deg tonight no one does that but the other thing quoting Demi's statistics I mean yeah. you're talking about a very Small narrow percentage. band of the demographic and it's very much skewed one way on that audience I mean that's an, that's an eatability audience you, you know whatever do, do you reckon Dimmy paid for that article do you guys use Dimmy no I've never no. even been to no. Dimmy what is no. Dimmy uh, we use Dimmy uh, use we Dimmy? use Dimmy and Booker Restaurant but Dimmy's a Qantas partner mm. right yeah so mm. Phil can't speak badly about it no, Dimmy are amazing <laughs> yeah their office is right above us <laughs> that's your criticism <laughs> Their offices above LPs. Yeah, right above LPs, and they've been trying to get us on board for since we opened. Yeah, I'm not even. I don't, I don't see that they deliver. They promise a lot, and especially with all these partnerships, and they certainly they promise a lot, and I'm yet to get a table out of them. So, and I mean, know, it's quite expensive as well. It's, I think it's three dollars yeah. per booking per person. Yeah. So I mean, maybe we should add that on our yeah. add that on your cost. A demi surcharge. Yeah, yeah. demi surcharge. Demi they have a little note down the bottom of the menu. Demi surcharge sounds like you get a free dim sim. <laughs> I had no idea, like, should we encourage people just to ring up and book instead and save the restaurant that three bucks? Yeah, 100%. It, I mean, don't worry about booking Dimmy Rockpool online at Dimmy. Just, just ring, turn just ring Phil. Door. Yeah, since when is booking directly through a restaurant? Phil's yeah. uh, mobile number is uh, <laughs> <laughs> But since when is booking directly to the restaurant difficult? It's not. That's the thing. It's not. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, and for us, like... Cam doing the bookings and stuff is such an integral part of the Acme experience and the personality and stuff of that restaurant that we would never but That's pay where it. the hospitality starts, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So the why conversation would you... starts with yeah. the booking. Yeah. That's it. So outsourcing that, you know, I understand if you're a big business in a way, like Rockpool probably uses it across all their restaurants. And you probably get a lot of international people using Dimmy to book yeah. reservations, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we get a lot of internationals. And Booker Restaurant's been... Book a restaurant better than Dimmy, just quietly. In terms of <laughs> oh, in terms of delivering bookings, we get a lot more Through off Book a Restaurant than we do off Dimmy. Dimmy's pretty pretty niche. And they yeah. just sold Dimmy recently, didn't they, to Zomato? Uh, I don't know the exact thing, but it was about twenty something million. So Book a Restaurant is nice. Dimmy niche. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we leave this conversation in the dust, or do you want to add anything more about it? No, nah, let's leave it. That's Should we invite time. John to come and explain himself if he's ever in Sydney? Maybe. The one Maybe. thing with that article, though, that the headline didn't really reflect the. You're a fucking subject. hipster, Phil. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't, though, did it? I was reading it. No, I, I it bought didn't. it just to. Because I thought the, saw the headline saw was the... pretty good. And... I mean, writers don't. Really? And then it was all about bookings. 
that, ap- that, that, that appealed to you, that headline. Oh, you want to, I've got to read, read about your hipster friends in their restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I, I want to read about it. <laughs> I love reading about Mitch. <laughs> As he stroked his long red beard. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, writers, in his defence, writers never get to choose their headlines. So yeah. that was probably chosen by an editor. That's really? the only part that was sub-edited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so um, you, you ran out of funds after that. Headline? No. Oh. You can kind of suggest it, but they'll always, they'll always amend it. Do you whisper it when you suggest it? Yeah, into the, <laughs> like ear, always? In, 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 into the ear of every, every, every editor around the country. What a brilliant headline. <laughs> I also wonder if, to make it clickbaity, the sub-editor would have chosen something a bit... Yeah. Yeah. Controversial to make people. Yeah. yeah, are you actually yeah. even bought the paper? <laughs> yeah, I bought That's the paper. old school. Yeah, <laughs> so comfy. Yeah, well, I <laughs> and you can line your cat's litter tray with the paper afterwards. Well, you my, can, my like, so many uses. When your yeah. slippers get wet on the morning lawn, you can just put that crumpled paper in there to hold them up, hold their. Form. What do people use for that anymore? Tweed slippers. No, <laughs> <laughs> to dry their shoes out. Newspapers. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really buy them that much. Well, there's a hot tip for you. <laughs> Crumple up that article and put it into your tweed slippers and just hold their form when they're drying out to walk the cap. It's a top tip. The best, the best tip you've ever gotten off the mission so far, definitely. Anyway, let's move on. Before we move on, though, a little bit of housekeeping. Can I have um, a cup of tea? Everyone's got yeah, a cup of tea. Uh, I've, got, I've got to go and pour it. I'll just do this. Do this first. housekeeping first. Okay, um, sorry. I've been meaning to do this for the last three podcasts. Uh, just want to give previous guest Rich Hargraves a shout out. He, you know uh, his name is Ashley Richard Hargrave. Like uh, you guys gives always mispronounce. <laughs> no one fucking cares. We don't even care like that much about him. Rich in the first place. That's why he had to leave the name. country. No one would pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> What's his last name? <laughs> it's Richard Hargrave, Hargraves, but everyone exactly. always mispronounces. And he never he this never corrects Australia. anyone, so it's, it's his Hargraves. own fault. Yeah, because it's polite in English. Even the head chef of Marquee doesn't care. So anyway, Rich has made the move over to uh, to New York to work with the Momofuku group over there and I promised to oh. give him a shout out and I've forgotten for the past month. So uh, good luck, Rich. We miss you and uh, that's it. I'm going to make some tea. We, we, we actually want him to start a sister podcast while he's over there called The Richin. He wants to. Hopefully it'll happen. Um, let's talk about the Josephine Pinole dinner that happened over the weekend. Who went? Who cooked? Phil, you cooked? Luke, did you go? No. No. I did Mark, cook. Did you, were you there? Only the winners. Winners went along. <laughs> Mitch was there as well. Not, yeah. even, not even the also rents. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was there. And uh, uh, so I was the winner in uh, 95. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the prize I got? Yeah, let's yeah. please. Yeah, we, 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 it got mentioned. Um, I want to talk about that because like, there's just wads of cash being sprayed around now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a beautiful decanter and a soft copy of Elizabeth David's. Um, French provincial cookery. Do you still have the can? The canner? No. Still I do. It. No, that wasn't me that smashed it. That was someone ah. else. He crammed. Was the, he crammed the book into it. I'm not sure. You co- you cooked a dish. What's uh, the tea? Yeah, we all cooked dishes. Yeah. So so this. Um, how many were there? Phil, six of us. Yeah, six. Phil, six. Mitch, myself, Dan Hong, Dan Puskas. Six uh, or seven. And you, Lauren, six, as Lauren well. Eldridge. Six. Um, Bar H. Hamish. Hamish. Seven. Eight. Eight. Yeah. It took us a while to work out how many courses the dinner would be, considering that we were doing one course each. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not very good at math. Uh, should we run through what everybody cooked? Is that interesting? No. Yeah. I'm interested. You know, what's interesting mm. is that including myself, there were four people from Marquee Restaurant. That have won. That yeah. have won. Yourself, Lauren, Dan, Dan, Puskas, Dan, Dan and Dan. Dan. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a pretty good track record, Bestie. Pretty good track record. How the kickbacks of the Jason How the kickbacks working? The kickbacks. <laughs> 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 Obviously not because he's still whinging about his decanter. <laughs> um, yeah, we can talk about the dishes if you want. Yeah, I'd love to hear about them. Uh, I did a little dish of burrata with a puree of burnt toast and black garlic and then a roast tomato tomato oil. And then who and did the next one? Post ironic use of Wonder White. Yeah, Wonder White bread, of course. That's, a, that's an old Mitchell staple. Yeah, I love Wonder White. Who was next? And I tucked into oh, his Jets biscuits oh, until yeah, my hand yeah. was slapped. Yeah. yeah, We still have the Jets biscuits. Yeah, I left, I left some Jets at yeah. yeah, I was going to give them to Lil last night. I said that I was going to steal his dish but do a riff on it using barbecue shapes. <laughs> I've got the monopoly on our Arnott's biscuits though, Bestie, sorry mate. Yeah, you'll have to use like clicks or ritz. <laughs> um, and then Dan Puskas did a dish of potatoes from his farm, I believe. Were they from his farm or did he buy them? No, he didn't grow them. Uh, no. And oysters, no, yep. an oyster emulsion and mushrooms, which was really cool. That was delicious. It was. And then was Hamish next? Yeah, Hamish. Yeah. Hamish did Hamish a next with bugs. Or was it someone else in between? No, I think that's no, right. Hamish. Hamish did a dish of um, lulaba bugs and wasabi and uh, wakami butter. And, yeah, I wakami think. butter. That's right. Yeah, it was really it was tasty. Scorched on the blowtorched on the plate. It was yeah. delicious. Um, Dan Hong did uh, Peru kangaroo tail, uh, lemongrass broth, mushrooms, shiitake raw shiitake mushrooms, baby and abalone. little baby abalone. Yeah, that was really nice. And finished off with kefir lime, which was yeah. pretty good. And then was you, Bessie? Damien found that quite confronting. Did he? The yeah. kangaroo tail. The whole lot. Oh. Yeah, it's just, just it's not didn't fit his uh, French. Uh, yeah, aesthetic. French ideals. Yeah. Does it have to be like? Have to, does it have to necessarily fit a French aesthetic? Oh, Caesar Ward, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we we just we just all cooked a dish that we came up with yeah. just for the dinner sure. kind of thing. So Bessie did a steamed barcod with fish milk, fermented mushroom, and dried scallop scales. Yeah, and I think Bessie's was the dish of the night. Personally, I thought mine was the worst of the night. Also, and Lauren did her. Um, hey, what about Phil? Phil, what did Phil, you do? What did you do? Oh, I thought you were just going to run through all of it. No, no, you can you can describe your own. I love Phil's dish, by the way. Yeah, Phil's was really tasty too. Uh, it was thank you. It was a um, prawn mousse wrapped around uh, hot and sour oxtail on coriander butter. The coriander butter was really cool, really cool technique. This podcast doesn't really describe its magnificence, Phil. Yeah, I have to say. <laughs> and then Lauren, what did Lauren do, Bestie? Lauren did um, the honeycomb, her honeycomb with our cultured cream, which is uh, really simple but really delicious. Yeah, it's almost yeah, it's monochromatic in terms of you know that's the aesthetic. You know, we push it, Mark, and it's really what we like. You know, very focused ideas, and that that's one of the standouts from that sort of that culture. And yeah, it's um, really good. And then uh, a new, she did a petty four, which was brand new, invented for this, which was uh, little flaxseed tartlets with um, a ganache made of um, blood and chocolate, pork blood and chocolate, which is beautiful. Really nice as well. Really yeah. nice and savoury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was a pretty good dinner. It was a lot of fun. It's always fun hanging out with everyone in the kitchen and talking shit and Bestie was on fire. <laughs> but I think I think the thing I came around, I really had this, um, you know, this... Uh, post-coital glow afterwards <laughs> that the I, I think it sounds really cliched and corny but just I guess that the camaraderie and I don't think 
usually when we're cooking in groups, we're at some function or whatever, and uh, we'll have the stars who will be off, you know, checking their emails yeah. or, you know, getting their minions to cook. But I think I really felt... We're all in there. Yeah, it's it? all in there. There's, there's a real fraternity to this Josephine Pinulay Award, and it's the first time everyone's got together, and we've all known each other for so long, and our culinary concepts are very very different but yeah. we share the same ideals in terms of you know what what we want to achieve out of um you know food and service and the restaurants and things so yeah. it's, re- I it's think really that wonderful really ex- extends through the industry through our, our mm. whole community now as well like with guys like lukey and matt at esther and danny peps and stuff like that even though they haven't won the award you know that no. sort of ideal and community is a really big part of what we do but now. they're that you know come through the same in the same, same community yeah. you know yeah yeah um, speaking of that, Luke, you were talking about on your on the podcast with Lee Train Lamb how the night after the um, JP Award interviews, because you applied three times, I think you said. Yeah, yeah, three times. And was it the third time? Yeah. And that was the year that I won. Yeah. And you were saying that you went to CPR that night for dinner. I think you had family over from NZ and stuff. Yeah, I just I went there for dinner with some friends. And yeah, and I w- I was at CPR. Oh, for no dinner way. that same night with a chef I used to work with, Alfie Spinner, oh, and I'd found out that I'd won. Oh no way! Yeah, and it's I don't know if you I saw me in the corner crying. Yeah, I don't know if you ever knew this, but <laughs> I got I got the phone call that later that day after going to the interviews and stuff. So we went to CP to celebrate, just me and one of the chefs I was working with, and I went in the kitchen and I told Puss at the same time, and he said, "Oh, Lukey's out in the restaurant, but Lukey hasn't been told anything," and I was like, "Oh fuck." But I kind of always knew that, like, for me, winning the award was a massive thing because I didn't come through TETS, I didn't have this amazing pedigree and stuff like that. But I always thought that you would be successful anyway. So I didn't feel too bad about winning it and you losing it in a way. <laughs> what a nice. big, fat, juicy rationalization. <laughs> <laughs> like, Just I would have been. Cute, I cute visual. Uh, Luke is now trying to punch him in the throat. <laughs> yeah. Trying to scram- no, scramble but- across the table. <laughs> Still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like, I think you're really fucking talented and probably a lot more talented and driven than I ever was because you got off your ass and, and it went to Mugaret's the stage anyway and that's if I didn't win the award I probably never would have had the motivation to do that and now like you opened LPs I think a, a little bit before Acme opened yeah we just had our first year maybe four weeks ago yeah like so to see you get all that success and create that reputation and stuff without the aid of the awards like it's a pretty amazing thing a pretty amazing achievement in itself yeah I mean I was pretty gutted but and I think the award's amazing but I think um, everyone who got it is very deserving of the award and yeah I don't know it's, um, but it's, it's only one route to success that's it yeah industry and, and you know it's Mitch not has identified uh, hard work and commitment yeah. is what re- is required even from the winners of the Josephine Pinulay Award so I guess what people find unusual is there's actually no com- cooking component to the selection. It's um, self-nominated, and then and then you submit uh, a, a small, a short essay, yeah. um, just basically on what what you think you can give to the Australian dining scene and what you think it is, and basically you know painted, uh, I guess, to the the history of it as well and uh, your understanding of where it's come from and where it's going. And then when you win, I mean, you have to you have to live up to, to live up live up to it, and in in a t- way that it gives you some notoriety in terms of the media, but it certainly um, gives you something to aim for as well. And you certainly have to live up to the expectations of 
you know the previous winners and uh, everything so that's quite remarkable in that way but um, a hot tip for anybody that's uh, going to apply in the future maybe if you say in your essay that you would never cook a kangaroo tail at the dinner <laughs> maybe you'll get you some brownie points um, anyway Mark, let's move on oh, I'm just going to say like you know having won it 20 years ago is there anyone missing from that lineup that you would have loved to have seen cook on the night with you um, other winners you mean yeah uh, look, there's no one to come to mind, and no insult to anyone. I mean, I don't, I, I don't even know who the winners were. I don't. It's the 25th anniversary. I'm not sure who the other. 25. I think the highest yeah. profile ones, Brett Graham, probably. Oh, Brett Graham wasn't there. Mm. Um, Tim Pak Poy, who's gone gone missing, is in his bunker somewhere. I'm not sure, but um, you know, here that people. Tim Tim was someone that you know. I admired he was the head chef at Claude's for years and then took over uh, from Damien. And uh, so he's someone I would have liked to have seen, you know, what is he doing now sort of thing, a bit like, you know, Marsha Brady or whatever, you know, where, where is she now? He's sort of gone off the grid. And um, so someone like that. But um, other than that, I think, um, was it Richard Owsby was one of them? I don't know. That was a bit embarrassing. Someone came through and said, you know what we should do is we should do a dinner for it. And we're like, oh, that's awkward because. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, Mark, can I ask you a question? No. About- <laughs> you guys gonna blurt in? You're ruder. Uh, I don't like. Stop to- being so nice. <laughs> this is not a nice podcast. You have to be an asshole. So, so you won twenty years ago, and Dan Hong, who worked for you, also is a previous winner, and I interviewed Dan earlier this year mm. and I'm just going to read a quote about because I'm a nerd did you just I, I did my own, homework did you just pull up your own blog are you reading from no your own no, blog right no. Now? so she's quoting her own blog <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen to the end because it might sound like a dick move if you just listen to the first like you're like she's setting him up to be you know to be mean to Mark but no I'm going to read you the mm. whole thing that Dan Hong said to me yeah. about working at Mark he said Working with Mark Best. Let's just say that I've never been yelled at or treated like such a low human being in my career, basically. But you know what? I've got nothing bad to say about Mark Best. He is probably one of the most influential mentors. That's what happens when you want to be the best. To be the best, you really got to push your staff and drive your staff. That's what he did. I learned so much as an impre- and I learned so much as an apprentice there. He let me go on every single section. As a third-year apprentice, that's uncalled for at a fine dining restaurant at that standard. I don't regret any of it. It was hard, but it made me good as a chef. It made me strong as a chef. And he also said that the scariest thing that's happened to him is not Martin Ben pulling him by the collar when he accidentally let a snail through in a salad at Tetsuya's, but when Mark Best said to him, like, get the fuck out of the kitchen when he screwed up at Mark... And then the sous chefs would say, don't get the fuck out because we're so busy. We need you in the kitchen. But I just wanted uh, Mark's perspective of that because we what do... Did he, what did he screw up? More a lot, apparently. As if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> do you even remember Hong Yi working for you? Yeah, of course I do. No, that was a, they were the, the really fantastic team. And um, we used to... Look, so I think Dan had maybe come via Tetsuya's and... What I think what I was railing against at that stage was that these guys were coming through Tetsuya's, which was, you know, for decades the preeminent restaurant in the Sydney scene. Then they would come to us next level down, and none of them could fucking cook. 
like they would just because they would be and I, I mean Cook in terms of they had the talent certainly and they knew basic skills but they were basically coming from one very specific section the guys would be on there for three months just doing sorbet or they would just be on the ocean track and Luke you'd, you'd know that as well yeah no, absolutely so they come into somewhere like Mark where we have seven people and I expect everyone to know everything that's for me is what cooking is about can, and um, can you compare that to Tets how many people are on the ki- in the kitchen at Tets be when I was there probably about 16 to 25 it, it, yeah. it yeah, went up and down 25 at the busiest point yeah yeah so we would we would have six you know and and i expected everyone i wanted people to be part of the creative process i wanted them to be to to be able to cook and i didn't want them to be robotic and i wanted them to be part to be creative and i think to blow my own trumpet what i thought i taught a lot of those young guys was to really cook and to think creatively and to to be creative and it's not it doesn't come naturally. You have to be taught to be creative. And they'll come to me with one fucking, like, tenth of an idea and go, oh, what do you think of this? And then start crying when I said, that's not an idea. You know, and then to really push them, to, to push them from that kernel of an idea to to a dish that's going to be on a plate that they can be proud of. And, like, that for me is the proudest part of that, that whole process is when they finally get their dish there and I go, you know what, you fucking nailed it. And that's going on the menu now. Yeah, that kind of yeah. goes back to what we were talking about last week with Strody about how being vein. able yeah. to push your staff has changed now. Like now, you can't yell at anyone. You can't, you know. I never yelled at them. I, you I would yell just at everyone all the time. You yell at sure me all I the do. time still. But it's how he's, he's, you don't even work for him. I know, but he still you? fucking yells at me. <laughs> he, want, he wants to be yelled at because he's jealous that he wasn't yelled at. <laughs> but it kind of goes back to like what Mikey was saying that. To get better and put, you need to be pushed by the person that you work for. And when it's someone like Mark, that, that's a really important, or Tets or whoever, like working for Phil now, you need to push the young guys to make them good. And that's what's changed in the industry. Like, there's different ways to do it now, but that's a really important part. And I think that's kind of what we we're getting at last week. Look, there's this really soft mentoring, and I guess oh, looking back on things, I guess you can say yes perhaps that works but there's also when you're on the line yourself and you're really you're really pushing the yeah. restaurant you're pushing the concept and you're trying to define what it is you know you've like had like four hours sleep for the past yeah. week and you're in there and it's never physically abusive okay i might have held a chop at someone's head once but <laughs> you know but it's it's not like i'm not fucking tom aiken's abusive heating up you know, heating up spatulas and burning them deliberately or, you know, yeah. pushing the head onto the planche or anything like that. No one's saying I mean, and, and the emotional content might have been a bit strident. I understand that. But I would say things to them and say, you know why I'm fucking number one? And I'd give them a reason. I'd say, and you're, and you're, number, and you're fucking number 3,500 and you're not going to blah, blah, blah. Daniel Puskas brought that up the other night. So everyone rolled out these stories. But he said, oh, to be honest, Bestie, I've used that one myself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Lukey, what's it like? Look, you came through that Tet school and that fine dining school and now your restaurant is completely maybe the antithesis to that kind of thing so you know what makes Do you, you agree with that yeah i reckon what makes um, that change when all your trainings one thing and you go ah oh, okay i'm gonna go do this now um i don't know like i, I absolutely love fine dining and I, I sometimes miss it quite a lot 
Um, but just after um, leaving Tats and, and going to Mugrats and going to um, Blue Hill and things, I don't know, I just sort of felt like I didn't want to... Someone said this before, and I didn't want to yell at people for cutting a piece of parsley this big when it's that big, and I just yeah. found it a bit stupid. Um, and, you know, going back to what you're saying about Tats and even when Phil and I were there, people would be chopping chives, like... There's almost at, at the height of it when there was like 25 chefs, there'd probably be a guy chopping chives all day long, doing battens and chopped chives and all these minuscule jobs, and they're absolutely, you know, tedious. And um, I don't know, but I felt like even though that was so monotonous and such a boring job, people's knife skills were out of control. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. But after opening opening LPs, I just felt like I didn't want to do that anymore, and just. Um, but I'm sure it still informs your work. I mean, that no, definitely. That that still structure that, definitely, that, definitely, that, definitely. that rigor that rigor carries through in your work now it doesn't really matter what you're cooking absolutely I mean. and yeah, even I, like think, I think what tits really the value in it is that um, desire to produce the same perfect thing over and over every time and yeah. over and, and that sort of filters through everything you do after you work there you just have this desire to do everything the best it possibly can be I think that's the best lesson from Tets. I mean, it's very much the Japanese um, ethos. I mean, you've got mm. restaurants in Kyoto that have been in the same family for 400 years and the same fucking... Yeah, yeah. and the thing, you, like, you, you do this thing thousands of times over mm. and then you still find one where you go, yeah, that one's better than the other one. Mm. You know, it's, it's kind of a crazy concept. And in saying, in, saying that... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. At work as well, like, I've always found myself at times like the guys will be brunoising onions or something and I'll have a look in the thing and I go, fuck, that is the shittest brunoising. Dude, you need to work on that yeah. a lot. Even though I say to them it doesn't really matter, you know, but at the same time you can't. Yeah, I have no knife skills. Help yourself so sometimes. That's why I like cooked rustic food. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because I never got that drilled into me. I don't know if you cook rustic food. I think you say you cook rustic food, but I'm not really rustic, sure if it's rustic. I think your There's food is quite like, refined, actually. I think that you don't... There's no knife skills in it, though, that's for sure. You know a scoffier, but you do cook the <laughs> refined food. Yeah. 
I remember years ago I, I, I brought like salsa to a party And you were like Whoa, Levins Did you cut that? Your <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. knife skills are probably like, better than oh, mine Your knife skills are amazing, bro <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? You're like, what's knife skills? Yeah, exactly <laughs> Can I ask Luke a question? Stop asking, Stop asking You can ask a question You can ask a question But you can't ask to ask a question Alright um, While we were setting up uh, Luke was telling us about how When I did the podcast with him afterwards He was like Oh, there are all these amazing stories I forgot to tell and then you told this incredible story that I think you should tell now about when you were young your first job was it as a dishwasher yeah as a dishwasher so when I spoke to Lee Tran last week I was telling her about um my first job washing dishes so I was 13 and you know maybe just touched on it vaguely and said I was washing dishes when I was 13 and I had this job even the weekends and maybe I I was terrible at it like you know I used to just go there and talk shit to the chefs all day long and I think that's the only reason they kept me around because they found a novelty that this little 13 year old kid was fucking potty mouth and <laughs> talking about, I don't know, whatever. And uh, I forgot to mention that on my first day there, they said I should wear a, a, a white t shirt and jeans. And because I was only, you know, my chest came to the sink, I was just absolutely covered in shit on the first day. And it was terrible. And so I thought, I want to wear this white t shirt. I want to wear a chef's uniform. And I asked the chef if I could wear a chef's jacket and they said yes so I went straight down to the, the chef's supply shop and bought fucking hat neckerchief aprons clogs <laughs> checkered 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 pants like spent an entire yeah. month's wage yeah yeah sure I love that you bought the sure neckerchief too chili yeah I bought everything, everything. Chili, chili I didn't have chili pants I had, I had big I had big checks yeah you were like check. 15, right? I was 13, yeah. 13, yeah. wow and um, so the bus ride to the restaurant was probably about 20, 30 minutes and so I just hop on the bus do you Next wear your neckerchief? I wore the whole lot, mate. <laughs> <laughs> a hat as well? A hat, everything. A- yeah. Apron, yeah. hat. Yeah. I, think, I actually think I went out and bought knives. Did so you do the knife. classic knot or did you see like a bit of no, a no. cowboy knot? No, no, classic. Okay. Tucked it over. Yeah, tucked it in. Did yeah. You? Yeah. How did you learn yeah. that as a dishwasher? Because they all wear it. They all, oh, wear they all wearing it. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I only right. learned that in second yeah. year TAFE. Yeah. yeah. And I, st- I still couldn't do it. <laughs> and um, yeah, the, the couple who had the cafe next to the restaurant, um, they ended up owning a restaurant a couple of years later and I ended up working there. But they said they used to piss themselves every Saturday when I hopped off the bus. This little fucking 13 year old kid hop off, like fully dressed up like a chef. And I'd been on the bus the whole time, and they would be rolling around the ground, just fucking dying. Just, look at, just looking through the kitchen window, dreaming, I will be a chef. Yeah. Visualization. Was it paper, paper hat? Paper hat. No, no, little skull cap. Skull cap. Yeah. He didn't fuck around, bro. Yeah. Come on. Do you, still, do you still have that uniform? No, no. I, don't, I think I'm, I probably got about one jacket it? left. Can you like press the picture? On do you know, I, I like always joke about it. that. One day we should all get dressed up, like, in, but in, but in, 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 in like the thirteen-year-old size. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> buy extra, extra large jackets and roll them up. Amazing. Do you have any pictures? Yeah. We'll yeah. Can we put them on, 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 on the page yeah. this week? Oh, dude, it's bad. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think I, I think I had frosted tips in my hair. All sorts of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Frosted maybe one Frosted. day Justin Timberlake will play you in a movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> so let's talk about LP's Quality Meats, your restaurant, which is in Chippendale, and uh, specifically Chippendale, um, because when you opened a year ago, um, all the reviews spent the first paragraph writing about how Chippendale was the next big next big. Um, suburb in, yep. in Sydney for food, and I feel like with the Old Clare Hotel finally opening recently, with the the, the three restaurant and bars within it, we're, are we at peak Chippendale now? Is this the height of? I don't think so. No, I think there's still a lot to go, and I think there's a lot they need to sort out down at the the Central Park. They've got a few things open now that Eat Street and all sorts of stuff. I think that needs a bit of work, but um, no, I think like I lived in Chippendale for seven years before that all kicked off. And there was nothing around. And then, of course, Maddie opened Esther uh, next door. And 
even since then and that development got underway I felt like the foot traffic around there just increased massively and even up till now when everything's sort of almost completed it's it's nuts like fuck there's so many people down there because there's brick fields there's around nothing. the corner brick fields around the corner yeah well, and that's I can't even go there to get coffee anymore yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't go down I've got to pre-order ring them up because it's just so fucking hectic to yeah. go and get a coffee there where someone's gone for like 40 minutes trying to get a coffee because the queue, <laughs> queue's so massive you know I'm not saying they're slow or anything but I'm just saying fucking busy it's so busy and has all that extra foot traffic um, translated into more business for you guys yeah I think so um we going back to the bookings thing we only probably book about half the restaurant a night and just rely on walk-ins for the rest because we do get so many fucking walk-ins i don't know where they come from but it's just um yeah we get a lot a lot of walk-ins awesome is it and there's like i feel like you know it's um is is, is the, the food is it's all all the restaurants are opening are all quite modern there's no yep. like yeah it's 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 definitely got kind of more of the fine dining not, not you know a no, high, no, no, higher yep. up kind of restaurants opening yeah no definitely especially the old claire it's all quite sort of it's a pretty slick operation. All those. been to Silver Row? No, no. Just curious. Have you been, Phil? No. Have you been I like uh, I like uh, your restaurant, a because it's local, and uh, I live just down the road, oh, in Harris Street, in Piedmont. Okay. Yep. Has Bessie been? Yeah, yeah. Bessie back me. Yeah, I love. I love support the fact that those artisanal techniques that you've really, to be honest, you, you know, you bring them back and they're making them fashionable again, which is. Um, you know, really suck it to an old soul. Yeah. Um, in terms of seeing that those those skills and not lost and having that that long smoke lamb breast, I think was the mm-hmm. first thing he had on there, and thinking, "Fuck, how good is this?" You know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and being a sort of a Germanic background, I think as well. I see, I see that. We get a lot of thing coming through there. A, a lot of German people come in, and and, and sometimes <laughs> it's, it's really people, because people, it's really it's really out. treated yeah. tight. Yeah. yeah you, we, had, you, we had this girl come in. She said her mum was yeah. fucking almost in tears. She's like, oh my god, this is like. I haven't had home. this it's flavor, strange. and there are things that's right, and it's up to people like you to to keep those things alive because otherwise they just die out, and even mm. in their countries of origin, you know. There's a lot to be said for seasoning stuff properly, though. You know? mm. And if, if it's a good technique and it's seasoned properly and it's delicious, and mm. I think it's do pinch of salt between a genius and a donkey as they say <laughs> <laughs> who says that i made that up what i love about lps is that you have an amazing smoker which a lot of a lot of restaurants now have amazing smokers but mm. so many of them are Yours fucking next level, though. afraid to actually smoke the fuck yeah. out of the mm. meats yeah. yeah and i love that like i mean because i for me like smoke meat that's my favorite taste mm. that's my favorite flavor and and but there are so so few places in Sydney where I can go and know that the smoke taste is going to be the most prevalent when I bite into that meat. But nothing leaves me more flaccid than to see that smoker and then to eat the result and go, "This could have, could have been cooked in a microwave or exactly, it was steamed." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we get a few comments like people eat the short rib and some people say it tastes like a campfire and I'm wondering if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a but good thing. fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love no, man. Smoked smoked meat is like yeah, the smoked meat's the best meat. Yeah, absolutely. We have a <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> um, actually, one of the first things we we bonded over when I met you was uh, I was wearing a Franklin Barbecue t shirt. Yeah, Franklin Barbecue is like the institution in Texas, and, and you'd been there recently as well. I, I I'd never been there, but I oh, just right. saw your t shirt, and I've obviously read a lot about it and stuff, and so I was a bit jealous. Yeah, wanted to ask you all the questions about it. <laughs> have you been? Did you, before you open LPs, did you do like a kind of like no. tour of any smoke? Yeah, right. No, you just bought no. that smoker outright. And- yeah, yeah. No, because I saw it at a, at a barbecue restaurant in, in Williamsburg, and so I, I wasn't Sal? at Fat Sal, yeah. Yep. And I wasn't really thinking um, about barbecue as such. Like with the being at Stone Barns and things, they'd made a lot of sausages and smoked a lot of things. But 
when I saw it, I was just thinking more like you could do a lot more than just the stereotypical cuts. Like, you know, I wanted more smoked sausages and yeah. big cold cuts and, and, and things like that rather than... Yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the range of stuff you do is insane. But it's pretty brave. I mean, buying, it's a significant investment. How, yeah. did, you, how did you know you I mean, were I able ge- to use it? I, ge- I didn't. Like, I geeked out about it and I rung them so many times. It's getting braver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just researched so much about it. Were you wearing your chef's uniform when you rang them? Yeah, that's my, that's my, uh, my power suit, yeah. Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just researched a lot about it and, and then just bought it. How long, how long did it take you to get used to it and like really work out the intricacy? This is what I was talking to about Lee Tran the other day. Like it probably about nine months I felt like we had everything. On point. Yeah. The, the first couple of days was so bad like we were brining all, everything brine everything brine everything that's what we yeah. sort of thought and that was the wrong course, way to go of course we're adding nitrate to everything to keep it yeah. keep, to keep it pink and fuck me the, the short ribs on the first night and you, a lot of you guys were there mm. it was f- like hot pink like I was like <laughs> fucking oh how much nitrate put my lips are burning kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah we, we tend not to do any of that stuff anymore I mean a little bit in, here and there but yeah it takes a lot of experimenting we don't we didn't know what we were doing and we'd never used the machine before but um yeah yeah when i when i wrote about you just after you opened um i lamented the fact that while you know you were cooking so much more than like the stereotypical barbecue cuts like you mm. know and just doing pulled pork yep. ribs those kind of things i actually lamented that you know the everywhere that does that in sydney those mm. those really stereotypical barbecue options don't do them well yeah. and i would have loved to you know have seen your take on those classic things because i feel like so few like like, like pulled pork has such a horrible rap in in, in sydney yeah. because it's on five out of ten menus now and mm. no one does it properly yeah no for sure and like i see that a lot exactly the same went to cafe there and had um barbecue brisket and i was just thinking what the fuck is that there's yeah no, where's your smoker there's no smoker here like yeah doing slathering fucking barbecue sauce all over it and that's it um yeah I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just didn't want to get boxed into to doing that. And Maddie said it from Esther quite clear the other day. He's like, you know, it's good you're you're a year down now because now you everyone's sort of realize, realizing what you do do rather than what they think you do. And I think yeah. everyone mm-hmm. came out and we thought, oh yeah, he's doing fucking barbecue. That's that's what I think everyone thought. Yeah. Because like even your side dishes and stuff are fucking tasty as hell. It's not yeah. just about the smoker and no, no, exactly. no, no, like it's a complete restaurant. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't yeah. have like ten cuts of meat and then meat and then like just pickles as an option on the side. Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah, again with the with the sides and stuff. Like we did think about it, but just tried to steer clear of fucking baked beans and yeah. mac and cheese. And, you know, I love all that stuff, stuff absolutely. But just again, I didn't want to get boxed into to saying that's what we we're doing. Well, I love that. I'm a vegetarian, and I've been there many times. And you can eat really well as a vegetarian at this like super meat centric place. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that's a good uh, little segue. I wanted to talk to you about places where you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious, as, as a vegetarian, why you'd go to somewhere called quality, quality meats. meats. I think it's the same as when you flip it around and a whole bunch of people go out somewhere and there's one vegetarian. Like, yeah, right. like Eating out is really social. And if a bunch of your friends go, we want to go to LPs, I'm not going to be like, well, I don't want to be the drag. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, except for yeah. one restaurant, which... I want to name, but I name shouldn't. It. Name it, name it, name it. Oh, should I? Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. I feel it's really be bad. If I'm Just here, name though. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is a place Am of I honesty. Am I going to really regret this? Okay. No. Name it. But you know, the thing is... You haven't named every it. Every time I... You can I, spell it. Okay. And then hope that people can't put Just the letters together. It. Just sign it. Okay. Um, so, for, oh some my God. Weird, for some weird reason... <laughs> <laughs> wow. For some weird reason, I got sent an email saying... 
Oh, we're we're doing soft launches for Master, you know, the Chinese restaurant that opened yeah. recently. And I don't know why they emailed me. I mean, I do a blog and my email is there, but I thought, why ask me to go to a soft launch? Because usually that's family and friends. But, you know, I'd heard about it. It sounded like it would be a really interesting place to go. So I emailed them back and every I always, because I am a vegetarian, I always go, I just want to check your vegetarian options because I think you should always give people a heads up. That's why you're everyone's favourite vegetarian. <laughs> oh, thanks. Because I feel like you already, as a vegetarian, people already hate you. So you have to, like, give them less reasons to hate you. <laughs> Paranoid. <laughs> anyway, and Luke, they... Luke is nodding his head. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... So I said, oh, I just want to check your yeah, vegetarian options. And they said, oh, we've got two options, but we can't change the menu. And in my head, I just thought, that's cool. Like, sometimes places only have one option. Like, I'll eat whatever as long as it's veggie, right? What do you mean you can't, ch- can't change the menu? Like, oh, yeah, that's what they wrote. You've got two options, but we're not doing anything else. But, like, you know, maybe they cook everything in a meat stock or something like that. Maybe it's that impossible for them to, to adapt to yeah. the dish. I mean, I don't know if that's the reason, but, you know, yeah. I think some places, like, you'll look at a menu and you see, like, one or two things that look veggie and then other things where they might have bonito or lardo or something. They're like, look, we can it's change like this. We can French Laundry it. has a tasting of vegetables, but half that stuff has meat on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call People it wouldn't probably wouldn't even ask about that. Like, oh, vegetables. Well, yeah, they that. call it a tasting Delicious. of vegetables, not a vegetable tasting. Yeah, mm. sure. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if vegetarians get really disappointed. Actually, I think I would. I would be. Meat oxtail. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd say they would. Cooked in ham on. Best veggies they ever had. Anyway, so in my head, I just saw it was an a la carte restaurant, and we got there, and it's a set menu only. Like it's a whole tasting menu. Were you asked menu. to pay? Okay, so what happened was we got there, and I was like, oh, when I booked, I said I was a vegetarian. And I think it was just badly communicated between whoever answers mm. the emails and who's in the kitchen. Yeah. And I felt so bad because it was like a freaking soft launch. And I, like, because my boyfriend eats meat and we were trying to work out, is there a way he could eat stuff and I could eat? But it was just too hard. And the front of house were really nice. Like, they were super nice about it. And they tried to make it work, but it was too difficult for them. Like, everything, even like the cabbage dish that everyone talks about has fish sauce in it so in the end we just end up going across they're like we actually can't feed you so i went across the road had vietnamese that's the only time ever like i can go to lps i can i can go to portenio rockpool barn grill i've eaten those places and it's just weird that a chinese restaurant i couldn't eat anything full vegan menu for you if you give enough notice (laughs) just just diagonally across the intersection so um on a few of lee tran's recommendations i'm putting together an article about um about basically like you know the idea that in, in Lee Chan would have so many op, um, times where she's gone out with her friends and you go to a she'll be the only non-meat eater and they all go to a meat restaurant and a lot of time I mean I used to at my shitty diner vegetarians used to be like oh man that's amazing you have so many vegetarian options we had maybe two or three and so like it must be pretty dire out there for for a lot of places to go out to so I, I kind of my article is like you know once in a while go to the place where you know the vegetarian option is as good as everything else or maybe it's a place that where you would feel comfortable ordering the vegetarian option along with your vegetarian friend it's a very very friendly most article. restaurants i mean their default you know they get oh shit a vegetarian you know uh what do we got? Oh, we got rice. We've got asparagus. You get a fucking risotto made with rice and water <laughs> and, uh, and asparagus. That was your dish. I went to uh, to Bentley and uh, and Brett said exactly that. That like when when he started um, 
because his wife's vegetarian and yeah. Lee Tran recommended Bentley as one of the best vegetarian set menus in Sydney and I had it and it was amazing and, I, and the person across from me had the meat one and I was like oh, I wasn't feeling jealous at all um, but yeah he was saying that yeah like so often the, the option would always just be a risotto and so he kind of he puts extra effort into that as much effort into the vegetarian set as he does the meat one and I'm sure there are restaurants like your own that, that would do that yeah of course I mean just to say that you know the the, the meat based proteins is the only source of ingredients is just completely ludicrous you know um, the vegetable world is you know vastly more inspirational in terms of basically that's where the yeah. the menu hinges around the seasonality of vegetables not yeah. the seasonality of beef you yeah, know or lamb or chicken I mean it's the vegetables that are that are really informing the rest of the menu and everything else is a supporting part. And so to say that you can't cook a completely vegetarian menu or even vegan or whatever with some notice, I mean, you know, what sort of cook are you, you know? I think um, in the last five, seven years, there's been a really interesting shift. And I think even someone like Rene Redzepi said in an interview where he used to think of vegetables as the garnishes and more recently he's realised they can be like the lead guitarist in a dish and I think that's a really great he just transformation said that? he said that in an interview a few years ago I think oh, yeah. just this morning she, on, on the phone <laughs> on, on the phone Lee Tran <laughs> but I mean I used to go out and you'd pay like back when you'd pay like $30 for a main and it would just be the side scraped from all the other <laughs> do you know what I mean it'd be like oh I remember once going to a restaurant and they're like hey we made something special for you and it was literally a baked potato that I paid $30 for and you're like you didn't like I liked baked potatoes but don't make don't make me feel like you really you know make, you put any effort I'd, I'd like to right. go into a segue into dietaries though yeah, please do okay. mm. because they are they been very well behaved today. I so am. Take I'm, it away. Very, I'm paying attention. I'm not. Well, I think it's because I'm not. Okay, so if you we also me, haven't got two magnums of sake in front yeah, of us this that. time. But if so. you have me facing a window, uh, I'm very much like shiny thing, shiny thing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't, I can't maintain my focus if there's something to look at. And now I've just got Luke, <laughs> which just which holds my focus. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, uh, dietaries um, in general. Uh, becoming pretty intense um, and I'm not really sure if it's going to get better in fact I think it's going to get much much worse um, but basically we we write menus now based around the idea of how many dietaries can we eliminate from this menu so basically snap yeah exactly. so, so you, you write your menu based on okay these are the main dietaries we get I'm going to accommodate for them and then if I get anything like out, out of the way then maybe we can do it for them as well but that's now how we base our menu writing yeah I remember Louis Tickeram when he was working at um, Long Grain he made the entire menu at Long Grain gluten free absolutely every every part of it yeah gluten free is very important yeah we're the same we're yeah. completely gluten free now wow yeah. but there's yeah. a really interesting article yesterday in because the it's paper. such a fucking ball egg yeah <laughs> every set is a last, last minute yeah, gluten freeze and the so celiac? then you yeah. end up having to run like a, almost a, a, a second Seven. lot of mise en place just to accommodate for the last-minute dietaries. Imagine you know. opening a pasta restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love I love um, when when people with a severe allergy give you notes. It's a lot of fun, um, and you get to sometimes cook uh, and give yourself ideas. It makes it forces that's, you to that's cook the golden rule, isn't what you it? Want. Like dietaries are fine so long as you get the notice. If you rock up to a restaurant and then drop the bomb as you sit down, yeah. then you're a cunt. And we're about to see the the rise of the no sugar. 
um, which is yep. really, really... That's um, going to kick we had, we had one on Monday night, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we've had many over the last few weeks. No, none at all? They've watched that They've sugar watched movie. watched sugar documentary, and now all of a sudden people say no Well, I mean, I sugar. feel like, and I you feel know like if you, you're influenced by a movie... Well, when you cook a lot of Asian-style yeah. food, sugar is... But the point is, the point important. of the movie is to stop drinking two litres of juice a day, not yeah. cut out sugar, you know. Stop drinking party. Coke and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. Not. But it's the same thing with the gluten-free diet, which yeah. is... Everyone sort of adopted that, and now there was a really interesting article yesterday about how um, that's kind of fading, and now mm. chefs themselves are not taking gluten-free seriously, mm. and that, um, I think, oh, I can't remember the percentage, but the percentage of gluten-free dishes on menus that actually had gluten in them <laughs> was, was on the rise, and that people that have true celiac disease mm. um, are, are starting to really struggle because yeah. of idiots that said they were gluten-free, but then would eat pastry this is what so I spoke people to, just don't take it seriously no. anymore I spoke to Lee Tran last week and that's what I said as well about the dietary um, things like fucking liar dietaries that they'll come in and say this and then 10 minutes later you see them eating the bread and mm. oh, fucking bullshit yeah. you see it tets a lot of people strictly no seafood like death allergy and then of course the ocean truck comes out and they're yes. like oh can I say I just want to taste it though yeah, yeah. just it's yeah. Mm. I'll dance I remember with the Grim time. Reaper over the over the signature dish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah one time at Tets uh, and I was in pastry and we had this dietary list of about five pages and um and it was no no dairy, no eggs, no gluten. So I spent like two weeks trying things to come up with a couple of dishes to put on the dessert menu. And and I was finally ready to go and she went through the whole menu and had all the dietaries. And then the dessert docket came and it had no dietaries on it. And I was like no, no, it's got dietary. Like, no, no, she's going to have dessert. She loves dessert. Oh, like, fuck. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. At that you? stage, you march out and you say, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know. The dietary thing is becoming... Uh, it, it, is the, it ruins services for me, basically, these yeah. days, the unannounced dietaries. So I just want to put it out there. If you're listening, please announce your dietaries. Notice well in real, real so dietaries R- when real you dietaries. make a book, Medic- medically yeah. proven <laughs> dietaries, yeah. not fashion not dietaries. Some shit you read in the back of fucking new idea. <laughs> I think there's also such a an illiteracy about nutrition that people think, oh, not eating gluten is healthy or not eating dairy is healthy. Whereas it's much harder to think, well, how much vitamin B do I need? Like, what's folate? But people think, oh, if I just cut out sugar, then I'm healthy, and that I think that's probably a little ignorant people Um, need sugar don't they you need a little bit of sugar too you need it like when the herald did that two to four handfuls of gummy bears a day (laughs) (laughs) when the herald did that feature where they got all the different writers to go on all the different diets and the woman who did the the i quit sugar diet said her mouth was full of sores because she wasn't eating any fruit like i don't think people realize the health implications they just what? think it's easy what? to quit that's, called, that's called scurvy what kind of fucking yeah, diet crazy. tells you not Captain to Cook eat fruit that one. Yeah, because fruit, fruit has banana, high levels of natural sugar it's more people need, people don't need take to realize <laughs> now for my next segment <laughs> i'm going to put a high out underneath that please be sure to tip your waitress people need to realize it's processed sugars and the processed anything that's not good for you. Like natural stuff is good for you. But I think there's also like, for instance, the paleo thing, which I think is the worst example. Oh, they've of updated it. Oh, they yeah. updated it I recently was, to include grains. I stayed at a, I stayed at <laughs> a hotel. seriously updated paleo. Paleo. mother's <laughs> milk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I stayed at a, at a hotel last weekend and Pete Evans had done the entire hotel menu. Oh, God. I didn't eat that. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm but safe. That's an example really? of like... Yeah, yeah. In, in Perth. 
wow, let's not go there. But <laughs> like Perth, the right off the entire <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> There's Deal. nothing there. So, <laughs> Dubbo like, without the nightlife. <laughs> <laughs> paleo is an example of the worst kind of fad diet where people don't even look at the science of it. And then uh, the British Dietitian, I think, Association of... Um, yeah, this British Dietitian Association said the only fad diet worse than paleo is the one where you drink your own urine. <laughs> so I think like Love people just go, oh, Do you ever get that requested at Rockpool, Phil? <laughs> you have to piss in anything. <laughs> Silence, you see that? <laughs> <laughs> only for dimmy customers. <laughs> so hang on, wait, drinking your own urine is bad? <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the mission. <laughs> I think that's really, really yeah, it is. It's a, it's a it's a good end. Great one, great note to end on. Um, uh, we'll start with Luke. Look, if we want to find you on the internet and uh, in your in your restaurant, LP's Quality Meats is in Chippendale. Yep. Um, and you're on Instagram, etc. Yep. What's your what's your username? Uh, so it's uh, LP's Quality Meats dot com and LPS Quality Meats on Instagram. Easy, Mark. Where can we find you? Mark Best on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Crown Street, Surrey Hills. Easy. Mitch is uh, Krillin on the Run on Twitter and uh, Instakrill on Instagram. And Acme, of course, is his restaurant. Phil? You do, you, do you know your Instagram yet? <laughs> no, I don't know. That. I don't actually know. Phil it. is Phil AC <laughs> Wood, Phil AC Wood <laughs> at, at, on Instagram. And, of course, can be found at Rockpool Est 1989. A lot of time around Waverley, Bondi Junction, Bondi. If you, ever, wondering. if you ever see him, give him a, give him a <laughs> Drink his own urine. <laughs> I like your Facebook handle, Philip Anthony Charles Wood. Yeah. Like, it's like... Yeah, I thought AC should be air bronze. conditioning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it should be on the front gate if you're a state. <laughs> <laughs> Philip air conditioning wood. Right. Um, and uh, Lee Tran's podcast we recommended earlier, but please make sure you go and subscribe to it. The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry. Of course, that's the name of her blog as well. And uh, Lee Tran Lamb on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, I, can I quickly plug two things? Of I'm course, plug away. With. Um, I'm in the For the Face exhibition that's on this week at... Create- I saw that on Broadsheet yesterday. Oh, cool. Create or Was Die. Was with uh, Anna Vu? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Create or Die in Marrickville. They're just selling some of my zines and playing some of my podcasts on a loop. And I'm doing a Q&A with Michael Rantisi and Christy Frawley from Kepler Street Kitchen about their new book, Falafel for Breakfast at Kinokania on the 20th. Of October, you did a really great one yesterday um, with the Cornersmith guys, Levens. Yeah, it was fun. I really love those guys. I want to have them on. At Kinokia? No, yeah, yeah. I want to have Alex and James on, uh, on, on on one of these episodes soon. I really like the Cornersmith guys a lot. They just mate, it's your podcast. Do whatever you want. <laughs> can I come back and plug my my new book? You can, of course. Can you can, yeah, no. please, oh, yeah. When does that come out? Best Kitchen Basics. When does that come out? Hardy Grant out in uh, March two thousand and sixteen. Can I have a free? Can I say some one other thing? Of course. Richard Cornish made a funny thing. Said a funny thing about broadsheet. He said. He heard uh, broadsheet editors complaining about the smell of new paint in restaurants. Wow. Get it? Don't go to a restaurant in the first You don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Yeah, because they're the first to review. They're there within about an hour and a half of it opening. Well, on that note, please go to to the broadsheet article that they've written about us that goes up this week. (laughs) 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 Um, And uh, I can be found uh, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. I've got another podcast called Hey Fan. Please check it out. Lichan, I want to end on a uh, a story that uh, I forgot to ask you about. Oh, the Gabe Dawson story? Yeah, yeah, this is a really good one to end on. Oh, wow. Sorry. It's not one I can like compact to two lines. It's a little bit long. Let's start with a bang. Okay, so I was part of this Food and Words Festival a few weekends ago, and I was on before Gay Bilson, and I got asked. Who's Gay Bilson? Okay, um, so she was at Barrow Waters Inn, 
and she ran Benelong back in the day. She was a chef for 25 years. I mean... She's a doyen. Doyen is the word. What does yeah. doyen mean? Yeah, what does that mean, Phil? She's the doyen of the industry. She's the... <laughs> she, she's, <laughs> she's the godmother, if yeah. I... No, but she was married to... Like she was married to Tony Bilson back in the day and they defined... Pretty much defined Australian cuisine. They had Glenn Merkett build them a restaurant um, in Barara Waters. So Barara Waters Inn was one of the great restaurants the Australian scene, um, her and Yanni Christus opened Benelong and I think really was the definition of a restaurant for that, for that space. Unfortunately, the general public didn't agree, but it was, it was incredibly beautiful and they stripped back all the, the dross that had built up in that beautiful building a long time ago. So highly, highly influential. So really. Yeah, and there's a story about how she heckled me at a festival. <laughs> uh, She's a little, can be a little bit snippy as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you can't relate to that. <laughs> Definitely snippy to me. So, like, the backstory is my talk was just before her and to understand why she did not react very well at all to what she I didn't yell at, She wasn't yelling at, jackass! It was no? close. It was close. So, my talk was before hers. I talked about interviewing, like, what it's like to interview chefs. So, I started out talking about, you know, like, interviewing Fran Adria and how that's exciting but scary as hell and last year he was in sydney for one day and his press schedule was so insane that the only time they could give me was from when he left the airport to when he got to his hotel so like basically can you get a ride with Ferran adria and before it happened i was so stressed thinking like what if his flight gets cancelled or is late and it completely sideswipes my interview or if i get to the airport and I can't get to where he is because he's got a ticket and I don't. And also he has an interpreter and I was worried that what if I said something and it completely goes awry in translation. Like I wanted to ask him, I think in an interview of Esquire he said, when we were younger we used to pump tomatoes full of air and blow them up but that was a punk phase we were going through. And I wanted to ask him, you know, as a guy in his 50s who's won so many accolades, had the best restaurant in the world for so many years running, did he consider himself a punk still? But I was worried, what if the interpreter takes punk... As in inter- Ashton Kutcher punk? <laughs> right. Right. No, what, yeah. what if he takes punk and turns it into, like, douchebag? And, <laughs> and then, yeah, if he takes punk and turns it into douchebag and I accidentally end up calling Ferran Adria douchebag through his translator. So these are all my anxieties. Wow. But in the end, he was amazing. Like, he got up at 4 a.m. Perth time to come to Sydney for a lunchtime flight and uh, he was great um, he had I said to him because you think does Fran Adria eat food on the plane and he was like because you know he has such a refined palate and he's like are you serious do you think I eat food on the plane and he said at most I eat the cheese and he was really I love airplane food <laughs> particularly on Qantas yeah <laughs> well done Phil of well course done. you love the Qantas food you're getting an upgrade next time you travel you're a fucking punk <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it turned out like the Spanish word for punk is punk with a Spanish accent. And so I told that Can story. That? Sorry? So like it. punk or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's your Catalan accent. It's, uh, I'm not very good at accents. I'm not like Tom Hiddleston. Uh, anyway, so I told that story and I told the story about like um, interviewing Dan Barber and how sometimes when you interview someone, you have to know everything possible beforehand, but you also have to like... It's a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a sign of respect. But sometimes you also have to not be afraid to ask a dumb question. It's like it's more important for you to be a goose 
and get a good answer than to, you know, be afraid to look stupid. And I was, he, he grows his own wheat called barber wheat. And he, I was like, I what? I he said weed. <laughs> I, was like, I was looking he at does that I was as a well. bit distracted. And then I, uh, my, my sister's actually in New York at the moment. She did, it, she did an event that, he, that Barber cooked out oh, and Renee wow. cooked out and everybody. And, uh, and Dan Barber gave everyone who worked on the event bread that he made with his yeah, own wheat. Wow. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. And apparently it's amazing. And I wanted to know, like, why grow your own wheat? Like, what makes it different from any other kind of wheat? Growing from his own wheat and weed. That would be incredible. Yeah, let's get to the Gabe Wilson part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so... um, So what was the story about? Yeah, I'm going to get to the story. I kind of have to, like, tell you why... Did you go to India at any point in the story? (laughs) Um, And... um, Eat, pray, love. Yeah, and he said, like, he gave a great answer. Just a bit of the travelling pants. (laughs) He gave this great answer of, like, why you grow your own wheat. Like, he said, you know what? It reminds you that it's a grass and it it has this nutty taste... It doesn't slap you in the face like a glass of wine, but you're reminded that wheat actually tastes of something, whereas we're so used to it not tasting of anything. Anyways, and I talked about a few other things. Did my, did my talk. Gay Bilson comes on next. Five minutes in, she points right at me and says, you, I want to talk to you later. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I don't know if that's like, a good or bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. And then as she talks, I realise she completely hated what I talked about. And then at some what did you talk about? That's I just described. Oh, that, 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 that was that was what you were talking about. Yeah, 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 that humongous backstory. And then at a certain point, she said she brought it up again, and then she said, "You look like you're 12." And I was just sitting there. What did you like, say? You look like you're 97. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> might come back. Um, and I was just kind of like, I mean, part of me is like, oh, I've just heard that so many times. That's a really boring insult. But I realised also, I was trying to work I out. I was wh- going to say that, but I meant it in a good way. <laughs> refrain, yeah. And I was trying to work out why she hated what I talked about so much. And then I realised she has a very strict idea of what writing about food or talking about food like she would hate this podcast yeah, for instance um, and she just has um, a very strict idea about food like she says people shouldn't pay for food which is interesting she ran restaurants for 25 years and I think she just doesn't like the idea of chefs being talked about or being famous and the thing is she was like food writing can only be writing about agriculture and the thing is someone like Dan Barber all his Everything he does, everything he writes about, like the third plate of his book is this amazing document of how we have to change agriculture and what we eat to be sustainable. And I brought that up. I said, oh, you know, he does this dish that's about Mm. rotation risotto. It's kind of like a nose-to-tail approach but about agriculture. Mm. We use every single thing in Mm. your food and you don't throw it away. And she said, oh, that's just aesthetics. And then I just kind of sat there thinking, well, you've kind of missed out, like, because you've decided you are uninterested in she any sounds, chef. She kind of sounds bitter and angry. Yeah. I guess to be so. Honest. She should listen to 12-year-olds more often. Right? <laughs> anyway, so that's... Might learn something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm sorry, it's such a super epic long that's story. That's a great We can but, edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> we never would. Thanks so much for listening to The Mitchin. Thanks to all our guests today. And when we can uh, find us at facebook.com slash The Mitchin. Send us an email, themitchinpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, please leave us an, a view, review on iTunes if you like the show. And if you like any of the guests want to return at any point soon, uh, let us know. Thanks so much. It's the Mitchin Podcast with Krill Dog and Andy. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 